0: Now here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free passive investors guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now time to get into our show. On the show today, we have Ali Madavi joining us. Ali, it's great to see you. How are you?
2: Good. How are you?
1: We are doing just fine. Before we head into great. the interview, here's a little bit about Ali. Being an immigrant born in Iran, Ali quickly learned to adapt, which has allowed him to successfully grow personally and financially. Based out of LA, Ali is a data-driven investor, mindset coach, and realtor who's focused on building wealth and a legacy for him and his family. Ali currently invests in stocks, syndications, single-family homes, condos, and multifamily apartments. Ali, today we'll be taking a deep dive into your investment journey, the lessons learned, and advice you can share with us all. So first things first, and could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Kyle and Lolita, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I feel grateful being here. So I'll talk about a little bit of my journey We moved here from Iran, really not being financially educated. My parents never really taught me anything about finances, stocks, investing, anything like that. So throughout my whole time moving here, I really learned things on my own. We had a hard struggle like childhood, I had a personally difficult childhood, but went to school, parents pursued education, that was the main reason why we moved here as a family. Got my bachelor's in electrical engineering. From there, I still didn't know anything about money throughout all of college, pretty much. As soon as I started graduating, like no one really, I learned a lot about circuits and all these different engineering things, but no one really talked about money throughout the four years of my school. Once I graduated, I realized that I'm not ready for the workforce. I went quickly into my master's degree, hoping to learn more about money because I saw that I want a better life for myself. So I went to my master's degree at USC to study financial engineering, hoping that the finance part of the financial engineering really brings that aspect of learning about money. So I was always interested about how people are so wealthy and we're not so wealthy growing up. So then I started learning more about it. And I would say, so the master's program is about two years. So still the first year, I didn't really learn much about money, even through school. So I quickly realized that school was not the path to really educate yourself about money. You could have done it some other ways that I'm currently doing it right now. So once I graduated that, I started working, started saving up money. Actually, the first couple of years, I didn't save up money. I would eat out. I would try to impress people with my money. And I think that's where I'm really trying to learn about the mindset piece of it, because I think the mindset piece of money and investing is far more important compared to really what you're investing in. It's about being comfortable learning about money. So then I started investing. And so I think the past three years, really things have picked up for me and I'm strongly growing, thankfully.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Well, kind of tell us about how you found real estate, why you started investing in real estate and your first real estate deal.
2: Absolutely. So I saved up money and my parents always were like, stay with us, just stay, live with us. They weren't like, go find your own job and save your money by living with us. So I did that, but at the same time, I had some money, so I spent a lot of it. So I could have saved it quicker. But my parents and my money combined together, I purchased my first condo. I think they were about like, just purchase something, live in it instead of paying rent. They had that mentality, which is great. So I did that, once I rented it out, I realized I I was really hitting my DTI, my debt to income ratio at the time. So let's say I was making $70,000, Out here in L.A., a condo is roughly $500,000. So a lot of whatever I was making was going to my mortgage once I put the 20% down. Then I realized I'm not saving any money. Really, I'm living, eating ramen, eating noodles, but still everything (laughs) I'm making is really just going towards my mortgage. Then I was like, okay, like I can rent this out. And after a year, exactly a year, as soon as I lived in it, I moved out, moved back to my parents, actually, and rented it out. So I wasn't even breaking even. I'm still not breaking even, but that's something I've kept on and I've really learned my lesson for, but at the same time, that property has appreciated in value far more than I expected. And by me not breaking even, I'm not really hugely negative cash flowing. It's about maybe 50 to $80 off, but I think the principal pay down and depreciation that condo has really seen has allowed me to keep that property and really wants me, like, I want to keep that property for that reason. Mm -hmm. So once I moved back to my parents, I started saving up money again, started investing again. And that's where I looked at other opportunities besides my first purchase.
3: What are your thoughts about, you know, investing in an appreciation market with negative cash flow versus... You know, investing in cash flow, I think that's something that people battle with, especially those who live and invest in the California markets, because that is oftentimes, at least to start, where you're kind of looking at. So what are your thoughts on that? Because you have both cash flowing assets and you have now a negative cash flowing asset that appreciates greatly.
2: For sure. I think it really depends on your personal investing. I think it's there's pros and cons to both. I think with the appreciation, I think that's a little bit more risky, obviously, because I don't know where the housing market is going to be in a year from now, and two years from now, especially now. With cash flow, especially in the Midwest markets, it's pretty stable. You don't see a whole lot of appreciation, but you know, rents are not going to fluctuate as much as appreciation will fluctuate in the West Coast and the East Coast markets. But then if you have, let's say you have, a lot of cash and you want to deploy it somewhere that could be a good opportunity where you want to just hold it in the west coast market and have a appreciating quote-unquote asset instead of a cash flowing one but still personally from my experience as time went on i like the cash flow market far more than the west coast appreciating market because right now i know what i'm going to get right now there's no in the future what's happened in the past really those don't indicate as much of what's going to happen as of right now in yep. terms of the rent I'm going to collect.
3: Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned, you know, you didn't get much education and money in college. And I think that's one of the biggest issues, you know, with our educational system. Where did you, because you mentioned that, you know, you have several areas where you're getting that education now and you speak very well about, you know, multifamily and real estate investing and finances. So where are you getting that information? How are you consuming it?
2: Absolutely. I learned about BiggerPockets. That was the first source that I learned about it. And from BiggerPockets, I've started seeing meetups and I started attending meetups. I think that's my number one source where I grew my network through meeting people like you Kyle, where I was able to listen to what you guys bring on, listen to a lot of podcasts and listen to other people's experiences about this. From there, I think it's just networking and growing and watching podcasts, watching videos. so much free content out there, the really good free content out there where you can do your own thoughts and analysis of those contents because there's also false content out there as well. Yeah. But I think you mix that with reading books, with just getting knowledge from different sources and see where those common things are. So if someone on YouTube and someone in the book and someone on a podcast are all saying the same thing, maybe there is a truth to that. But at the same time, I'm also a believer of doing things. I think a lot of the things I've learned is from taking action. And for the first two years, I've maybe sat on the sidelines too long to just consume information, not take enough action.
3: Yeah, no, well said. So what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far from
2: investing? For sure. I think one of the things I love is diversification. So not only just investing in a condo or in one market, Maybe expanding it a little bit more just because and by extending it to different markets, maybe an A-class asset versus a B-class asset or a C-class asset. I kind of like that because a lot of people like to think A-class is going to do this, C-class is going to do that. If you just have a little bit of piece of, of each of those assets, you will ride whatever is going to happen. Yes, C-class might get hit hard, but then your A-class will probably do well in certain times and vice versa which right now my C-class properties have been doing better than my A-class. So I think those are one of the lessons. The other lesson is work with the numbers. I really didn't know much about handling the numbers when I purchased this condo. I didn't know what rents were gonna be. And I'm really charging top of the market rents right now. So anything can happen. If the tenant moves out, now I'm gonna have a hard time trying to fill it. I'm learning those lessons right now. Whereas I prefer to be a little bit under top of the market where I can have more people competing for my, rental units in the future. So those are other lessons learned. So if I see the rent in the market is eight seventy five or nine hundred in my C class properties, I'll probably just do my numbers with eight hundred. Be a little bit more pessimistic with my numbers when I'm doing the analysis, I should say.
3: Yep. What are the biggest hurdles you've had to overcome from your investing?
2: I think some of the biggest ones are just all mindset related. You need a lot of money to buy real estate. That's one. And I didn't know like how people buy real estate. And I'll elaborate a little bit more on that. So, in terms of what I personally owned with the 20% down that I put, it was a lot of money. But then, when I did my research, when I found other markets, you don't have to invest your own market in your own market, in your own backyard. It is recommended because you can possibly see it. But I've purchased three single family homes recently where I haven't even looked at them. I think technology has really allowed us to look at videos, look at pictures. Network with people who are out there, who are your soldiers, basically, who are people who have foot on the ground, and really use that to identify properties where you don't have to put a hundred thousand dollars to purchase a five hundred thousand dollar property. You can purchase properties with ten to fifteen thousand dollars. And I'm not saying do that, but that's one of the mindset changes that I had that's really allowed me to grow because now I can diversify between C and A class properties. Along with that. I also, one was, how can I buy a property without looking at it? And then letting other people's experience really determine mine. I think that's another one. Where I looked at these podcasts, looked at these videos. I think it's good to also like learn from other people, no doubt. But also, you have to take the action, in my opinion. Because a lot of people were like, you can't buy a property without looking at it. And I just did. And I, there's no, I haven't had any bad experiences with it so far, I should say. <laughs> so I highly recommend you can definitely learn from other people but also take your own action. And personally I learn by taking action more than I learn by reading. So I enjoyed taking the action piece of it.
3: What type of tools are you using to kind of vet or maybe what kind of systems you have in place to vet these homes that you're buying sight unseen? Because, you know, I've done the same thing and, you know, out of them, probably 70% have been okay. I haven't had any real major hiccups, but on a couple, I've had some real major hiccups. So are you doing anything to source the area, source the actual, you know, unit or property itself to make sure that it's in the condition you're being told? What are some things that you're doing?
2: Yeah, sure. First of all, I have been to the markets that I invest. I invest in Ohio. So I've driven down those streets, not particularly on those property streets, but in those markets. Like I know that zip code. I've driven in that zip code. I have an understanding of that zip code. That's at the top level. Going down to the street, I definitely do my own due diligence by with, again, Google Maps technology. I've driven down the streets using that, but I also rely on my agent. And I think not just my agent, my property manager. So I do have a property manager and I have my property manager used on certain properties, but there are certain properties that I have, I actually manage myself. And that's because from me doing my due diligence, seeing the tenants, seeing the condition of the properties, using the agents, using videos and pictures, and definitely doing inspection, never will skip inspection on any of my purchases. And having really good people that are referred to me for inspectors and agents, has allowed me to feel confident with those purchases aside on scene, And also knowing the tenants, knowing the condition of the property has allowed me to pick and choose which ones I want my property manager involved with and which ones I can solely manage myself to really I'm doing that to save money so that I can potentially purchase more properties down the road.
3: Yep. So where and what asset class are you looking to invest in over the next 12 to 18 months and why?
2: Sure. I actually think so I'm investing in Columbus, Ohio right now. That's my majority of where I'm investing. And they're mostly C class workforce properties. I like to really be close to hospitals right now just because I think there's still the need for hospitality. That industry hasn't been touched. Entertainment industry, so I work for Ticketmaster and it's definitely been touched. So I try to stay away from certain markets like maybe Vegas. So I want to be close to where there's a diversification in jobs. And definitely I find that with Columbus, Ohio. So if I am looking to invest more out of state, I'll probably stick to where I already have a lot of foot underground, a lot of networking, really focus on one niche market where it's not so much talked about Columbus as much as like Cleveland other markets are. So it's not hyped as much, and which is why I kind of like that market. And it's definitely seen stable job growth, income growth, population growth. And those are things I look at as well. So I definitely see myself in the next 12 months growing that rental portfolio out there. Along with that, I definitely, I'm open to syndications. So I'm looking at different asset classes and different markets that syndicators bring where personally my money might, might not make sense to invest by myself. So for example, in Arizona, I'm investing in syndication out there as well. And I personally, if you want to buy a single family home to rent out in Arizona, you're going to have a hard time finding a deal, spending time to build that network out there for one single family, where it's also about maybe 150 to 200, where in out-of-state Midwest, a single-family home out there might be 100,000 or 75 to 100. So my money goes further. It's easier to scale. But at the same time, I think I look in syndication for scaling in markets that I potentially would want to go in.
3: Okay. And so what do you look for in a good syndication deal?
2: Definitely. I think from the lessons I've learned is the GP, the people who are managing the general partners are for me, the far most important thing. The numbers don't really matter. The numbers could be whatever they are. I personally rely on who the people who are managing it are because they can break or make your deal. Whatever the numbers say, those are all forecasted. Those are performers. Those are Mm -hmm. guesses of where it's going to be in the future but I think people who are willing to do work that you're not willing to do, I definitely will want to put my money in something like that. That's one. Second is the market. I think I definitely want to be in a market where there's definitely a huge growth. And it's something that I personally might not want to invest so much of my capital or put so much of my eggs into that one basket or into that one market. That's two. And then third one, I guess, is my the asset class. I definitely want to be in a more upscale, upper asset class when I'm investing in the syndication more than I would be personally in the C class because I think a combination of people's money will grow further in a higher asset class personally than it is on a lower scale asset class. So I look for those A's, those B's with some amenities, some job growth in the area and really a market that's hard for me personally to get into without other syndicators putting their money into
3: Yep, awesome. So if you can go back to your college years and talk to yourself, what would you tell yourself?
2: Really to take more action, don't try to impress people, and get more educated from outside sources, meaning like, look for online sources to really educate yourself. Don't look at school so much. I'm not saying drop out of school. I definitely think school is valuable, but I think a lot of my growth personally has been, outside of school. And the other thing is definitely save more money, save more money, live frugal. Some of those things combined together, really. But I think it's really about mindset. It's really about having the mindset that you can do anything as long as you put the work behind it and really gain the knowledge and experience for yourself.
3: Yep. Awesome. Lalita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready?
2: Yes. Thank you.
3: This podcast is sponsored by Bullpen. Bullpen is an online marketplace where you can find and hire top-notch commercial real estate analysts on an hourly or part-time basis to support your deals. The analysts on Bullpen have various skill sets from office brokerage in Topeka to multifamily development in New York and everything in between. We use Bullpen as a second set of eyes on all of our underwriting. Find your next analyst using Bullpen at www.bullpenre.com. Use our promo code APT Capital when you sign up to receive a $100 credit towards your first hire.
1: Ali, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without?
2: Honestly, since I'm managing properties right now, my cell phone, I've been getting texts, emails, I've been on cozy, I've been following up about. We support and all sorts of things out of state. So I'm learning so much about it and I love it, but also my network. I think people like you, I definitely find so much value. I've learned so much. I think without my network, without really the different tools my network brings to me in terms of education, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm grateful for that.
1: Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners?
2: Absolutely. I can talk about my condo again. And so I think really run your numbers, be educated before you purchase it. And the reason why I purchased it was really from my parents, just wanting me to have a place, which is great. They had the mentality of don't rent, buy something. And that's great. But at the same time, there's a little bit more than just buying something. You got to do some due diligence about where the market is, what the rent is, and what you can do with it after you move out if you're actually personally living it. So I still believe i can invest in california for my personal homes but i want to find multiple exit strategies and i don't really like selling so i want to find ways where i can rent or create income from that asset that i purchase
1: perfect what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level
2: so i want to grow i want to scale whatever i'm doing right now and in order to do that i gotta learn more but also i think in order for me to learn more I want to teach more. So, I really want to start teaching people, or teaching people who were in my shoes a couple of years ago, how to get started, how to really purchase that first property, what to look at. And I've been blessed and thankful that I found some people that I can mentor. And I think by me really teaching that to them has allowed me to, first of all, be strong in the basis of what I'm teaching, really have those fundamentals down, but also it opens up by me like letting go of my knowledge, it opens up the door of gaining more knowledge from the outside sources. So I think that part will allow me to scale and really looking for private money. So I want to find ways where I can increase my door with not just using bank financing, which I've been using so forth, but really using private money to scale that.
1: And lastly, where can people find out more about you?
2: So I'm on Instagram. I love sharing, talking on Instagram, the real estate Ali, all one word is my instagram handle and so i would love to connect with people on there you can dm me you can message me you can do whatever you want on my page and i'll connect with you and we'll take it from there
1: perfect ali thank you for sharing your real estate journey with us today and thank you for your continued support we appreciate it
2: thank you both for the time and i'm really grateful again to be here thanks again thanks Holly.
0: thanks for listening If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too, so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.